Welcome to the Manifestation Bay podcast. My name is Katherine Zinkina, and I'm a manifestation expert, master mindset coach, and multiple seven-figure entrepreneur. I'm obsessed with helping you achieve everything that you once thought was impossible. If you're looking to massively up-level your life, your finances, your relationships, your productivity and success, then you have come to the right place. My goal in this podcast is to help you see the infinite potential within yourself to be, do, and have anything that your heart desires. Think of this podcast as your weekly dose of mindset development to help you maximize who you are and where you're going. Leave it to me to provide you with the tools, the resources, the strategies, and teachings that you need to manifest a reality wilder than your wildest dreams. I know we're about to have so much fun together, so thank you so much for pushing play today, and now let's begin. I can't believe it's been almost two years since I've last hosted a live training. Well, consider this a manifestation because for the first time in almost two years, I'm hosting a live three-day money manifestation training called Cashflow. And the best part, it's absolutely free to join. We're going to be talking all about raising your financial set point, taking your power back when it comes to money so that it no longer has its hold on you, having money respond to you as the sovereign queen of money, not the other way around, becoming wealthy without frying your nervous system, the exact steps to accessing financial abundance for life, and so much more. You can sign up for this free training at manifestationbabe.com slash cashflow. Again, that's manifestationbabe.com slash cashflow. We start May 15th, and I can't wait to see you there. Hello, my beautiful souls, and welcome back to another episode of the Manifestation Babe podcast. You guys, you guys, you guys, you guys, I have such a special episode for you with a guest that is going to change your life. Like I don't say that lightly. I swear to you, (laughs) just trust me on this one. You already know it's rare of me to bring guests on the podcast. So you know that if I do, it's a gem, like it's a rare gem. And it's a gem that I really want to share with you. It's most likely someone who's impacted my life in some way. And I just can't help but share them with you because that's just, you know, my vibe, my style. I share my people with you. And listening to today's guests, guests, guest will help you release excess weight, will help you feel better, have more energy, reverse certain health conditions, age in reverse, and think clearer and sharper in a way, all of this, in a way that just feels so effortless. It's biohacking, but without the bros. It's biohacking that's sexy and easy and will turn you into a goddess. It's like biohacking the very feminine way. So today's guest is Jesse Inchausby, who is a French biochemist and New York Times bestselling author of Glucose Revolution and The Glucose Goddess Method, both really incredible books. She's on a mission to translate cutting-edge science into easy tips to help people improve their physical and mental health. Her work centers around the startling discovery about the essential role of blood sugar. And who would have thought someone could sexify talking about blood sugar, and she does it. (laughs) And she talks about the essential role of blood sugar in every aspect of our lives and the surprising hacks to optimize it that are so easy to follow. Jesse is the founder of the wildly popular Instagram account at Glucose Goddess, where she teaches over 3 million people about transformative food habits. I not only am obsessed with her work, I also really love this interview. Jessie just has such a great energy about her, such a great vibe. She really is the embodiment of her work and what she teaches, and she really practices what she preaches, and she just she just like looks and feels so amazing. Like loved being in her presence. And I also got to find out about a really exciting new product that she just launched that you can find out about in the episode that makes following her hacks for better health 
even easier. We have rescheduled this podcast episode at least five times. It's been nine months in the making and it's finally here. So without further ado, Glucose Goddess. Jesse, I feel like this has been such a long time coming. We probably rescheduled this at least five times. You were supposed to come on nine months ago, but you're finally here on the show. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And I feel like I've already been on your show five times from all those because I feel your energy and I'm like, oh yeah, I've been on her show, but now we're actually doing it. So I'm so happy. <laughs> it literally feels that way. And first of all, I just wanted to say like since the since that first schedule that we had for this podcast, you have fucking blown up. So first of all, congratulations on your success. I know you already had like close to a million followers or something like that when I first came across you, but you have like what tripled, quadrupled that since yeah, then? It's been it's been very fast. The past 18 months, I think eight a year and a half ago, I was at a hundred K. And now it's shot to a million. Yeah. Okay. Did you manifest this? Like what's your secret? I know there's so many entrepreneurs who are on this podcast who are listening. Yeah. And they have a dream of getting their work out there the way that you did. Mm -hmm. Like, did you have a great marketing team, PR strategy? Is it the universe? This is what I did. So I think there was a universal contract when I was like, okay, this idea, do you actually want to be brought forth into the world by me? And Mm -hmm. she was like, yes. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to fucking do it, but you got to help me. So there was a deal there at some point. Wait, you need to break this down. I'm going to break this down. Yeah, break it down. Before I started the Instagram, I had been thinking about this for like a year And I kept thinking, I really want to talk about glucose, but there's already people talking about blood sugar. There's no space for me. And I'm like, but glucose, are people even going to care? Like I was having all these internal discussions with myself and it was really, it it was really eating me up. And so I sat down and I was like, okay, Jesse, which pain is greater? The pain of trying and failing or the pain of waking up in 30 years and never having tried in the first place? And I decided, you know what? That second pain is way bigger. So I started mm-hmm. going for it. That's a, that's the, that was the contract with the universe. Oh. And then the second thing I did is I approached my content like you would approach creating a tech product. I was like, okay, I'm going to put some posts out, see which ones do better, ask people what they like, what they don't like, and just hone in on what is the thing that people share the most in their stories. What is the information they want? There was no ego. It was like, I just want to grow this message. And so I took all the negative feedback and I incorporated it and I listened and I changed and I approached it really like you would, because I came from tech, right? I approached it like you would approach creating, I don't know, a a website, you know, like a, like a website for uh, booking your flights. Like, I don't know. I was testing all this stuff all the time so that I could create something that was highly shareable. And then I think another piece that was really key here is that there was a new visual. I created something new. So the graphs. Yes. Your visuals is what drew me in. Like those graphs yeah. is, are yeah. everything. <laughs> Thank you. And that was also a lot of work to create that by myself and my computer. And then lastly, I would say is I was still in another job and I decided to give this idea six months worth of time, one hour a day for six months, rain or shine. On my period, not on my period, heartbroken, not heartbroken, one hour a day, girl, after my work. And I thought to myself, if I cannot commit to putting one hour a day for six months, I don't really deserve this idea in a way. You see what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You got to do your part. Yeah. So that was the package. That's how I started. And then of course there's luck, there's timing, there's, but I hustle like crazy. The amount of DMs that I sent at the beginning where all these big bonus people ghosted the shit out of me. And I was like, hey, I'm talking about blood sugar. Like, can you please like reshare my content? Just like hundreds. I was, I was hungry, you know? So that's, oh that's, the, that's the formula, I think. Well, you definitely sexified the blood sugar world because, you know, if you tell me like, hey, Catherine, you should, you know, pay attention to your blood sugar. I'd be like, okay. You know, yeah. like I could conceptually understand the importance of that, but the glucose goddess comes in and has mm. these beautiful, I don't even remember how I came across you. I swear to God, but I remember seeing these charts where if you do these certain hacks, you will have this kind of spike. And if you don't do these certain hacks, you will have this kind of spike. Yes. And in exchange, you will feel better or feel worse yes. or look better or look worse, just depending on you know what you do and how you eat. And we'll of exactly. course break this all down. But I remember when I came across you, I was newly postpartum. 
And, you know, like with every postpartum experience, there is, you know, the weight gain and there's energy stuff and you're not really sleeping and you might have some cravings and insomnia and there's like all these different hormonal shifts. But I swear to God, when I decided to stop breastfeeding, which was five months postpartum, I realized that I was not, and I thought that this was like breastfeeding hormones that are affecting me and keeping me from losing weight and just like making me crazy. And so I stopped, I just made the decision to stop that. And then nothing was changing. And in Mm. fact, I gained even more weight and I had no energy. And I was like, what is wrong with me? And I finally came across your work and I have heard before about the importance of blood sugar, but just like the way that you said it fucking clicked. And I remember I started implementing your hacks and within like the next day or the day after it was very, very quick. I got so much of my energy back. Like I could actually eat a meal and not fall asleep afterwards and not need a nap and not need to nap as much as my baby was napping. Like it was such a game changer. And I sent your work to so many of my postpartum friends and started, um, you know, I read your book and I shared your book on my Instagram and I got DMs, slews of DMs. I can only imagine how many DMs you get, but I got slews of DMs sharing with me about your work, about how much the game has changed for these women, just in the fact that they got their energy levels back so quickly. And of course, there's so many other benefits and stuff like that. But I'm just curious, like, do you see this as a common experience postpartum? Is there something that pregnancy Mm. does to where, um, you know, I found out that I was actually, this didn't happen in, I'm just like spitting so much information at you. I didn't know, like, I didn't have, what do you call like the, the diabetes that you have? Gestational Gestational diabetes. I didn't have that. My blood sugar was fine in pregnancy, but something shifted to where when I got my fasting glucose and insulin levels checked, maybe about six or seven months postpartum, I was pre-diabetic and I had insulin resistance. And I was like, what the fuck? Do you find this to be like a common experience? It happens very often. So first of all, thanks for everything you said. And this message is very important. And that's why I put so much time and resource and energy behind creating this Instagram and sharing the science because so many of us are going through what you went through, whether it's postpartum or not. All of a sudden, something changes in your body. It can be stress. It can be environment. It can just be like you're one year older now. It can be so many things. It can be just, you know, adding load and stress onto your life a new baby etc and then your body just doesn't work exactly as well as it used to before and then it's a very slippery slope and you can end up feeling like a stranger in your own body like Mm -hmm. why do I feel so crap where is me five years ago where I was bubbling and bustling and having the best time and about 80% of the population even if we don't have diabetes we can still experience these glucose spikes on a daily basis that can cause those symptoms and then over time that leads to what you were describing, which is fasting glucose increasing. And then the doctor's like, hey, you have pre-diabetes or insulin resistance being diagnosed, et cetera. Listen, so many people don't feel well, whether it's postpartum or not. And these hacks should be taught in school. We should all know this because we, there are so many of us walking around like zombies because our glucose levels are causing cravings, chronic fatigue, brain fog, poor sleep, inflammation, bad skin, difficult hormonal issues. I mean, this is the base of health and it's easy. Yeah. And you make it so easy. So for those of us who didn't go through, didn't go too far in science class and are not biochemists like you are, can you just kind of like share, like, why should we care about glucose and what, like, why do we not want glucose spikes? Like where are these glucose spikes coming from? Why do we not want them in our bodies? Completely. Okay. So first I want to tell people what glucose is, and then we'll get to those questions. So glucose is your body's favorite source of energy. So right now, if you're a listener and you're listening to us, your brain is burning glucose so that you can understand what we're saying. If you make a fist with your right hand right now, all of the muscles in your hand are burning glucose to contract. If you're growing a baby inside you, your body's using glucose to do that. Like every single thing you do, just living and breathing uses glucose for energy. And the main way that we give glucose to our body is by eating foods, specifically by eating two types of food, starches. So that's oats, bread, pasta, rice, potatoes, chips, uh, bagels, (laughs) and sugars, anything sweet from an apple to a chocolate cake. Okay. Mm -hmm. So your body needs glucose for energy. You get it by eating starches and sugars. So you might think, okay, I want lots of energy, right? Who doesn't? So maybe I should be eating as many carbs as possible to give my body as much energy as possible. It actually totally breaks down on a 
biological level if you try to do that. It's a bit like a plant. If you have a plant at home, you know that it needs some water to live. But if you give that plant too much water, it's going to drown and die. Oh, yeah. I mean, that mistake. <laughs> yeah, girl, I'm the same. I'm like, the goodness, I can't keep a plant alive. It's so funny. <laughs> and so your, your body is the same. Some glucose, amazing. But uh-huh. most of us are giving our body way too much glucose, way too frequently, and that's causing all these symptoms. And so if during a meal you eat too many of these starches and sugars, you will experience what's called a glucose spike. So just like a rapid increase in glucose levels in your body. And this spike is going to have consequences. It's going to make the little mitochondria, the factories in your cells that are supposed to make energy, it's going to make them exhausted. You know when somebody throws at you like way too much information or way too many tasks to do and you're like, my to-do list is so long that I can't do anything. That's how your mitochondria feel during a glucose spike. They're like, there's so much glucose to convert here. I just cannot do anything. I'm going to go have a nap. (laughs) And as a result, you feel tired because your cells are not making energy. And so you need to have five naps a day because your mitochondria are broken. Mm. That's the first thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Second, things that happen, second thing that happens with glucose spikes is that you age faster. And this shows on your skin. This is motivation right here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on your skin as wrinkles, your oh. organs slowly age, and it also creates inflammation. And that can show in your face as acne, psoriasis, eczema. And also on the inside, when you're inflamed, you don't feel well. You know, everything kind of hurts. You feel bloated. Things are not okay. Yeah. And then last thing that happens is that slowly with every glucose spike, you go closer and closer to prediabetes and insulin resistance, which are, you know, serious conditions that you want to make sure you reverse. But that's what happens. Most of us can relate to the chronic fatigue and the feeling inflamed. And the spikes have even more consequences like cravings brain fog, slowing down the speed of of electricity between the neurons in your brain. Anyway, fixing your glucose spikes is so key. And that's what happens physiologically in your body. Hmm. I was going to ask, and someone brought this up in the little Q&A box that I made yesterday for the second or third time now, because I'm sorry. No, (laughs) my God, it was totally my fault too. Um, Someone asked, hold on, I just lost it. Uh, Oh yeah. The surefire signs to know like you know, without wearing a glue, what is a continuous glucose monitor yep. and actually yep. seeing their spikes, like how can you tell that the way that I'm eating or the way that I'm approaching my food is causing me glucose spikes? Is it like in being tired after meals? I feel like that was a big sign for yes. me. But That's I'm curious one of the other symptoms. Yeah. The, the feeling tired, the chronic fatigue, the thing with your kids is exhausting. Going grocery shopping is exhausting. You wake yeah. up, you're tired. Yeah, Uh that's the number one sign. And the second sign, which is just as strong, is cravings. Ah, Cravings for sugar throughout the day. So, you know, it's 10 a.m. and you're like, I really want a cookie right now. Or 4 (laughs) p.m. and you're like, "Mm, that muffin looks really good. And then it's 11 p.m. and you know you have a date with the ice cream in the back of your freezer. You know, that kind of situation. So it's fatigue and cravings. Because after every glucose spike, when your glucose levels come back down and you're crashing, that activates the craving center in your brain that literally tells you, Catherine, go find a damn cookie. So you cannot control that stuff. It's hard, you know, willpower won't do anything against those cravings. You have to solve the underlying glucose roller coaster. So yeah, chronic fatigue, sugar cravings. If you feel these two or one of these two, make sure you balance your glucose levels. These are going to go so much better for you. Okay. So we've talked a lot about the importance of all of this. Now, can we go into, well, first of all, one more thing I wanted to mention when you were talking about earlier, how so many people, you know, conceptually understand like, yes, blood sugar levels are important, you know, monitoring your blood sugar and how you made this contract with the universe and you came in and you just sexified it and you just made it so simple and so easy, you know, before coming across your work, if someone would have told me, Hey, Catherine, you have prediabetes, you have insulin resistance you need to prevent glucose spikes or monitor your blood sugar. I would have thought for me, the first thing that comes to mind is, oh, I need to go on a keto diet. And for me, I had so much resistance to this thought of like, oh, now I have to limit all my carbs and now I have to limit and like live my life, you know, in this particular way that I actually, fun fact, I don't think anyone knows this about me except um, because I did this like way earlier in my life. But 
I used to do keto, the keto diet for like eight years of my life. So I'm very familiar with it. And I was on it for like eight years until I got so tired of it because I'm like, hello, I need some bread. <laughs> like I need some hello. fun in my life. You know, like I need to yeah. live life the French way. I need and a little bit of what did you have for your birthday? Like Brussels sprouts? Obviously there were days that okay, you know, I would, I good. would break things. Of course I had my little cheat meals here and there. But what I love about your methodology so much is that it doesn't require you to go keto. It doesn't require yes. you to give up your favorite foods. So with that Amen. being said, let's get into the nitty gritty hacks that you have. I want to start with starting your meals with a veggie starter. Why yes. do we want to do that? If what we're eating, you know, you talk about the importance of food order and the first place my mind goes is, well, all the food is kind of mixing in your stomach anyway. Why would the order of starting with a veggie, then your proteins and fats, and then ending with your carbs, why does that make a difference in your glucose spikes? So we all were taught in school that all your food mixes in your stomach, <laughs> like in a blender, and then makes this soup. But recently, over the past five years, scientists have discovered that's not the case. So when you're faced with a plate of food, let's say you have broccoli, salmon, an avocado, some rice, and chocolate. If you eat the elements of that meal in a specific order, you can reduce the glucose spike of the meal by up to 75% oh without God. changing the amount you're eating, what you're eating, just the order. So the magical order for your glucose levels is veggies first, so the broccoli first, then the proteins and the fats, so that's the salmon and the avocado, and then the carbs, so the rice and the chocolate. And why does this work? Why is this so cool? Because veggies contain this amazing substance called fiber. And she's just, I mean, I love her. She's a superwoman. She's amazing. Fiber, when you eat some at the beginning of a meal, she has time to deploy herself onto the walls of your upper intestine. And there she makes a sort of protective shield for you. And any glucose that comes down later during the meal is not going to be able to make it through your intestinal wall so quickly. So it's going to be slowed down in its arrival into your bloodstream because mm. food goes from intestine to blood by going through the walls of your intestine. It's pretty yeah. cool. And yeah. with this fiber shield that happens more slowly. So you're still eating the rice and the cookie, but with less of a spike. So with fewer consequences on your energy, on your brain, on your mental health, on your cravings. So that's a, such an important hack. And, you know, I don't love strict rules that are hard to apply. So from this hack, I think the most important piece of information that we can take is veggies first. So for your next meal, have what you usually would have, but add a plate of vegetables at the beginning of the meal. And you can dress it, you can put some olive oil, some vinegar, some whatever on it. That way you harness the power of that fiber. And you can still eat what you usually eat, but then your body is going to be so much healthier thanks to that veggie starter. You know, you said fiber and the first place that my mind went to was, well, doesn't fruit have fiber? Like, <laughs> could you start with fruit? That's a great question. Fruit does have fiber, but the difference between fruit and vegetables is that fruit also contains sugar, whereas Got veggies it. are basically pure fiber. Yeah. So, and sugar increases your glucose levels and turns to glucose in your body. So if you started a meal with, with a piece of fruit, like an apple or something, Yes, the fiber would be helpful, but because there's sugar in the fruit, it might still create a small glucose spike instead of just 100% helping you reduce the glucose spike yeah. like veggies would. Mm. You know what's interesting? When I was healing from an eating disorder back in my teens um, and diving into the world of intuitive eating and just like really listening to not like the societal standards of what I should look like and all of this ballroom dancing programming that I grew up with of like, you mm -hmm. need to lose weight, you're too fat, you can't eat this, you can't eat that. And so I just went on this adventure of like, what does my body actually need? And what would it look like to intuitively eat? And you know, what's so interesting when I was reading your book, yeah. I was absolutely fucking mind blown with the fact that intuitively, that's what came to me in how to eat. And every time you would go out to a restaurant with me, if you ever went out to a restaurant with me and I was intuitively eating, I would always start with a salad or whatever veggies it were it was. And actually this also came from me not absolutely loving veggies and knowing that if I eat a bunch of other stuff, I'm not going to be hungry for the vegetables anyway. <laughs> so starting with them, I'm hungry enough to 
want them and they actually look very appealing and appetizing when you're like starving. So I'd start with that. And then I would eat my proteins and fats and I would leave my carbs for last because I thought that if I could just fill up on all the good stuff first, then I can just kind of top off with all the yummy stuff instead of filling up on them. And then I'd feel better afterwards. And so when I was reading your book, I was like, oh my God, I had it. (laughs) Like, I just need to go back to that. But you know, in a way, what's interesting is that these hacks they're kind of common sense and people have been doing this for a very long time. So you were probably tapping into, you know, your ancestral knowledge and the habits that have been around for millennia. Yeah. If you look at countries in Europe, traditionally they start their meals with vegetables. Like in France, we have this concept of crudité, which means raw veggies at the beginning of a meal. Yes. In Italy, they have antipasti, which is veggies at the beginning of the meal. In the Middle East, they start the meals with herbs by the bunch that are set on the table, right? Like yes. these things are in our consciousness. Yeah. And you but know what else? lost touch. Yeah. Yeah. You know what else is interesting? When I went to France, the many times that I've been already, like a lot of people have this concept that you start your meal with bread, but in France, mm. you they actually bring the bread with your meal. And here in America, you start your meal with bread. The restaurants mm. always bring bread to your tables. And you mentioned like Europe doesn't start with carbs. They start with vegetables. It's so true. And also it's funny after reading your book and also reading your theory on you know, your fun little theory of like the conspiracy theory of why they start with bread. It's so true. I taught this to my husband and he tested out for himself and he was absolutely mind blown, which is if he starts with bread, the, the beginning of the meal, you know, they serve you the free bread with the butter, yummy. And he ends up eating so much more food and makes way worse choices from the menu rather than just waiting eating your meal. And then I would say, have your bread last, like eat your steak first, eat the vegetables and then eat the bread last. You'll see like a difference. Just trust me. And he was like, he was like, yeah, you're right, Catherine. Like you're totally right. So I think that restaurants are really smart for doing this because it makes you eat so much more food. It makes you order. You have the bread at the beginning. It turns to glucose really quickly, goes to your bloodstream, bam, glucose spike. And then 90 minutes later, you're crashing. And that's when the waiter comes and is like, hey, do you want some dessert? And you're like, yeah, I'm super hungry still. I need need a pie, apple pie and double ice cream scoops because your glucose is crashing. It's brilliant. (laughs) I think I'm totally on this conspiracy theory. I love it. So eating a savory breakfast, what does this uh-huh. mean? And someone asks, like for breakfast, they really enjoy having smoothies. Could you make a smoothie work? Is there yes. a possibility to make some you can. sweet you breakfast can. work? Yes, you can. The way you make a smoothie work for you in the morning is that you make sure it's not pure fruit. That's the problem. Because mm-hmm. fruit is high in sugar and it's been bred for millennia by humans to make it really high in sugar. Like we've bred really yummy. And- <laughs> yeah, we've bred gray wolves into chihuahuas and lots of other breeds of dogs. We've we've bred our fruit. Questionable choices, juicy. right? <laughs> <laughs> we've bred our fruit to be these beautiful little parcels of sugar. So when you blend them in a smoothie, you're pulverizing the fiber that's in them, making it inactive or less active. So you're getting a much bigger hit of the sugar. So before I explain a good recipe for a smoothie, I want to tell you why the savory breakfast, because this hack, oof. This one is, this is the daddy. This is the daddy hack. So in the morning, if you start by eating just starches and sugars, you're going to get a big glucose spike. And then you're going to kick off a glucose roller coaster for the whole day. That means tired and cravings at 10 a.m., super hungry for lunch. Again, exhausted, need coffee, need a Red Bull, need more sugar in the afternoon. Again, need more sugar in the evening and you're tired, but you can't fall asleep. It's just a nightmare. Your breakfast controls your glucose levels for the rest of the day. Because when you have breakfast, your system is very empty because you've just been not eating while you were sleeping. So anything you put in there is going to impact you very deeply. So what we want to do instead is have a savory breakfast. And this means a breakfast that is built around protein has some healthy fats, has some starch if you want, like a slice of bread, has some sugar only in the form of whole fruit if you want. Again, just for taste. Mm-hmm. No honey, no sugar, no orange juice, no cereal, no muesli, no fruit smoothies, no acai bowls, no pastries, right? I know this sounds extreme, but 
The best time to have those sweet foods is for dessert after your lunch. You can keep them, just have them later in the day. Mm -hmm. So how do we make a savory smoothie? Well, some easy savory breakfast recipes would be like an omelet with feta and tomatoes, some leftover chicken salad from last night, some, you know, some rice with scrambled tofu, whatever, stuff like that. But for the smoothie land, if you love smoothies, you have to make sure it has some protein in there. So protein powder, nut butter, nuts. Uh, milk, unsweetened milk, put some fat in there, maybe some linseed oil, maybe some avocado. If you want, you can put a little bit of fruit in there, like some berries or half a banana, but make sure it's not 100% pure fruit smoothie because that's a big glucose spike. But I have recipes to help you make a smoothie that will keep your glucose levels way steadier than just like a mango, banana, you know, passion fruit, apple explosion. (laughs) Okay, so this is my favorite hack of all which is add vinegar to your routine. Mm -hmm. What does this mean? What kind of vinegar? And then some people had some concerns also who are familiar with your work around like vinegar. Is it bad for your teeth? Can it be bad for Mm -hmm. your digestive tract? So just to start, like, what is the vinegar hack? Because this for me personally was my favorite one of all. (laughs) Oh, yay. I love it. Well, you know how we were saying that this um, veggies first is kind of cultural know-how? Yeah. Everybody has vinegar in their kitchen been around forever but now we know it has a really cool impact on your glucose levels so if you had if you have one tablespoon of vinegar in a big glass of water before eating a meal that vinegar drink will reduce the glucose spike of your meal by up to 30 percent wow why i know it's amazing why (laughs) because vinegar contains acetic acid which is a very cool molecule that is just going to simply slow down how quickly your food gets digested. This is a good thing. It's going to make you feel full for longer. You're going to have less of a glucose spike because glucose will arrive more slowly into the blood. For concerns, make sure you always dilute your vinegar. If the vinegar is diluted, it's not going to attack your teeth's enamel. I've spoken to dozens of dentists about this. But if for some reason you really want to avoid it touching your teeth, just use a straw. Oh, true. Yeah. Yeah. Generally, it actually helps you with digestion. If you're somebody who suffers from bloating or acid reflux, it can actually help. But again, like if it makes you feel horrible and you don't like the taste, you know, you don't have to do this hack. You're Mm -hmm. free. You can do the other hacks or none, actually, if you don't want to do any of them. So it's just an extra tool in our in our tool belt. And all vinegars work. So it can be apple cider, white wine vinegar, cherry vinegar. The only one to avoid is the very syrupy Italian balsamic glaze that kind of uh-huh. looks like honey because that's just pure sugar. <laughs> dessert. Yeah, it's basically yeah, dessert exactly. on your salad. Actually, yeah. that's a really good question. With starting with a veggie, if you start with a salad, you also need to be concerned about the dressing. Am I right? Like, could that counteract the effects of the veggies if there's sugar oh, in the dressing? Oh, yeah, big time. No, avoid sugar in the dressing. But a really good dressing to do is a vinegar based dressing. That's true. That way you get two hacks in one because you don't have to drink the vinegar. You could just put it on your food. Okay. If someone really hates the taste of vinegar, vinegar. I feel like mm. I've seen this come up a couple of times in my Q&A chat of like, what are her suggestions? Can you take vinegar pills? Like some people have mm. seen vinegar pills. Like, is that an option or it has to be straight vinegar? So the pills and the gummies, especially those that Oh yeah, the sweet. gummies. Oh yeah, girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So those I do not recommend. Those are desserts. Okay. So a lot of these vinegar supplements actually don't have any science supporting them, or they could even make you have a glucose spike because they contain sugar. And you know, this topic of supplements and capsules, people have been asking for a super long time. Also for the veggie starter hack, they're like, Hey, if I can't do the veggie starter, can I take a fiber pill? If I can't do the vinegar, what's an alternative in pill form? So I've actually spent almost two years researching this and looking at all of the latest research on what you can put in a capsule that would be the best ally to reduce the spike of a meal. The and ultimate hack. That would be ultimate the hack. ultimate hack. The ultimate hack. So I actually identified four amazing plants. Mulberry leaf, lemon peel, cinnamon, and antioxidants from green veggies. And if you put these all together and you take it before a meal, it'll reduce the glucose spike of your meal by up to 40%, which wow. is stronger than a vinegar drink. 
And this is backed by over 25 clinical trials. It's 100% natural. It's amazing. And I actually just put it in a capsule and I just announced it this week. Um, it's called Anti-Spike Formula. Take it before a meal. It's your new best buddy to put in your purse when you can't do a hack, when you want extra help. It's amazing. So immediate effect on the glucose spike of a meal. Plus, when you take it every day, it starts building this long-term benefit in your body. So studies have shown that these molecules reduce insulin resistance, which is what you had, reduce mm -hmm. fasting glucose levels, which can help you put your prediabetes into remission, reduces inflammation, and increases GLP-1, which is the hormone that things like Ozempic act on. I was going to yes. say, this sounds like Ozempic. Uh -huh. <laughs> Nature's Ozempic? I'm totally... <laughs> it's a natural so GLP-1 which is the hormone that Ozempic acts on is actually a hormone we have in our body and it's just a hormone that makes us feel full and satiated so there are natural ways to increase GLP-1 and it's a great thing to increase for example when you eat protein you increase GLP-1 and with anti-spike you're also increasing GLP-1 by 15% naturally just with these amazing plant molecules over time instead of you know injecting yourself with this very intense diabetic medication like anti-spike mm -hmm. is not a pharmaceutical drug but it's just the best thing that exists for your glucose levels for short-term benefit and long-term health and i'm just it's the bomb i'm so excited oh my gosh i've been wondering because at the time of this recording it is not live yet you have not announced it yet yes. i've been stalking your instagram just for like, you baby just for you just for me and obviously <laughs> by the time this goes live like everyone will be able to purchase it and know about it mm -hmm. and that's so epic like congratulations first of all i'm sure there's a lot of hard work and formulation and yeah you know all kinds of ups and downs that came with that journey but i was uh -huh. like we were talking we were joking about money manifestation before starting to record and i'm like jesse you might wake up a billionaire tomorrow just fyi <laughs> like everyone is gonna buy anti-spike including myself because i'm such a supplement queen i feel like i take so many supplements you know especially to help counteract the pre-diabetes and insulin resistance and i work with a functional medicine doctor to support all kinds of stuff that I uncovered in the last year. I feel like it's been like a karmic journey uh, postpartum wow. to really like embody the next level of health and wellness for myself. Cause I've been into health and wellness my whole life. And this is just mm -hmm. like a deepening of that. Um, so that's incredible. I'm so excited to dive into that and purchase Thank that. You. And I will also share you, that. Sorry. Yeah, we'll share the link for sure. Yeah. I was going to ask you, how are you feeling now? Like, how's your health? Oh my God, so much better. Like night Yay. and day. Yes. yes. I yeah. love to hear that. Yeah. It's it's interesting because I wanted to tackle this before I got pregnant again because I'm like, yes. God, God forbid I go into another pregnancy and then I am completely just bedridden, which can happen. I am, you know, I, I'm surrendering to whatever happens, but um, I didn't want it to be because of these health issues that are so preventable and things yes. that I can take care of. And I'm obviously talking about like, you know, you you can have nausea in, in the first trimester stuff that comes fatigue, up and yeah. fatigue and whatever. That's normal. I didn't want to have all those things amplified before I went on this journey. So I'm finally in the place where I'm like, I think I'm ready to get pregnant again. Like, I feel like I'm very healthy again in myself and I have energy and I'm able mm. to accomplish things and not feel like I need a nap in the middle of the day. And I don't have Ugh. cravings at all. Freedom. Zero Freedom. cravings. I don't need Freedom. sugar anymore. It's, it's so it's yeah. Very freeing. Um, Congratulations. That's really awesome. Thank very you. inspiring. Thank you so much. Okay. So eating sugar as dessert, not on an empty stomach. I feel like that, you know, we, we pretty much touched on that. Like, obviously if you uh, start with sugar on a straight empty stomach. That is the most immediate glucose yes. spike that you can possibly oh, yeah. have. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, what about an unfruit hole? We kind of covered that. What about moving for 10 minutes after eating? Yeah. What is this one about? I feel like this oh. is the European life. You eat your food and you go home and you like walk, right? Like it's, it's my dream. Like sometimes I dream. I'm like one day I'm going to live at least a year of my life in Europe because I just love how I feel in Europe, when I'm eating in a certain way and then walking so much and especially walking after my meals. So being able to incorporate that, I literally bought like a mini treadmill, like one of those walking pads to where I eat my dinner and then I'm in front of the TV kind of like de decompressing after my dinner, Love. but I'm walking for at least 10 minutes. Love. 
love yeah it's a tradition to go for a walk after a meal especially in all yeah. these little villages in europe that that's what people do the whole family goes and it's 11 p.m and the kids are still not asleep and you still go for a walk yes. so what is it about so you know how at the beginning of the episode i was telling you that all the cells in our body they use glucose for energy mm-hmm. so our muscles also use glucose for energy so mm-hmm. anytime you contract a muscle it's burning glucose to contract and the harder and the more you contract your muscles the more glucose they use And so we can actually use this amazing fact to our advantage. So the hack is after you eat a meal, use your muscle for 10 minutes. It can be walking. It can be tidying your apartment. It can be doing the dishes. It can be walking your dog. It can be picking up your kids. It can be doing push-ups and squats. If you're at the office or at a desk, it can be just doing some calf raises for 10 minutes at your desk, nobody will be able to see, nobody will tell, be able to tell that you're doing this. Any movement that you like, that you want to incorporate is going to help you reduce the glucose spike because as you're moving, your muscles will use up some of the glucose of the meal. And you want to use your muscles within about an hour and a half after the end of a meal. So you've got time. You've got a lot of time to do this. And especially if you're prone to uh, food comas and post-meal crashes, this one really picks you up. It's amazing. And you can also go to the gym and do a hardcore workout session if you want. Like that works too. Yeah. Uh, What about put clothing on carbs? What the hell does that even mean? (laughs) (laughs) So carbs are starches and sugars. And so if you eat them on their own, so if you eat just a piece of bread alone or just a slice of cake alone, That's what I call eating your carbs naked, which just means on their own. Now, when you eat your carbs naked, all the glucose in them has nothing slowing them down, and they're just going to go straight to your bloodstream. That's what you want to avoid because that creates a spike and cravings and fatigue, et cetera. So instead, you want to put what I call clothing on those carbs. And clothing is protein, fat, or fiber. Example, you want to have the slice of bread? Fine, put an avocado on it. You want to have the slice of cake? Fine, have it with some Greek yogurt or 10 almonds. You want to have some pasta? Great, throw some broccoli and some cheese in there. Always put clothing on your carbs. It's such an amazing little tool that is going to keep you fuller for longer and are going to avoid taking off a cravings roller coaster, which is something that we don't want to get on. No. Okay, so just just to clarify, like let's say I want to eat like a bowl, like a, a poke bowl or something. Would I have to first eat all the fish and before diving into the rice? Or is it okay? Could that be considered like putting clothing on the carbs where essentially that is clothing on the rice, which is the carb? Like would it... Girl, you have the best questions. You're like a pro. I love these questions. Okay. Very good question. So let's look at the Pokeball. Imagine there's avocado, fish, and rice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Quote unquote, the best thing, the, the the most ideal scenario would be, yes, to have the avocado and the fish before the rice. The second most ideal scenario would be to mix them all together, have them at the same time. That would be putting clothing on your carbs. The worst scenario would be to eat all the rice first and mm. then the fish and the avocado. So it's a spectrum. There's always a better, slightly better for your glucose, slightly worse for your glucose option. But if you want to actually just help yourself even more, Add a veggie starter before the poke bowl. Have some, yeah. like for example, if you're in a Japanese restaurant, have some edamame at the beginning yes. of the meal, and that way you know you have that fiber protecting you. Oh. But yes, so you can switch from hacks. You can do veggies first, or switch to clothes on carbs if you want to just have it all together. Do you think that like even just following your hacks for one meal a day would make a difference, or would Huge it have difference. to be like yeah, okay, that's Huge awesome. Um, I feel like feel this a difference is... in a matter of twenty four hours. I mean, it's your body responds so quickly to steady glucose level. In fact, if you're on medication, tell your doctor before you do this stuff because it will significantly improve your health so quickly that they will have to monitor your medication and <laughs> adapt it. Seriously, I'm not joking. Seriously. I can so attest for the 24 hours. I swear to God, it was that fast, you guys. Like if you're Yay. hearing Jesse for the first time, like if you're just so unfamiliar, like just try this out. You will be so mm-hmm. mind blown and so grateful that I brought her to the podcast. And I was telling <laughs> Jesse too, like, I don't bring guests on the podcast often, but when I find a gem of a human that has been like radically transformative for my life and just like their teachings and their concepts and their work has had a profound impact on my life. Like I can't help but share it with the world. Like I just can't help myself. So this is going to change so many lives. But before um, 
before they're happy, they might be a little pissed, meaning that this is, I feel like this is going to piss people off. What is your opinion on oat milk? I feel like this is the thing that gets everybody where this is the part where people hate me. Yeah. It's okay, guys. So like, let's sandwich it with positivity, a little negativity, and then more positivity. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So oat milk, amazing marketing. It totally took off. They first gave it to baristas so you couldn't buy it as a consumer. It's very brilliant how they did it. It's very brilliant. It is. But it was a big marketing for So oat milk is kind of like pasta milk. So if you wanted to make pasta milk, you would cook some pasta, put it in your blender with some water and blend it until it's liquid. That's pasta milk. Now, if you want to make oat milk, you do the same thing with oats. That's oat milk. And so oats and pasta are both a starch. And so when you make milk out of them, it's 100% glucose that you're making. You're making glucose juice. And so when you have an oat milk latte, it's coffee with a bunch of glucose juice. Okay. So it's going to create a glucose spike in your body. Now. Important. If you love your oat milk and you feel amazing all the time, don't listen to me. Go live your life. If you drink oat milk and you feel like crap, might be time to rethink that one. Here are some hacks that you can do. First of all, if you don't care about oat milk that much, switch to unsweetened almond milk, switch to full fat dairy, great protein, great fat. Mm -hmm. But if you want to keep the oat milk, you have a few options. One, drink it after breakfast instead of before breakfast. Okay, that way there's already food in your stomach that's going to slow it down. Or use your muscles afterwards. Walk to work. Do a little dancing in your living room with your oat milk latte. Or take an anti-spike capsule. There's stuff that you can do when you want to keep these things in your life that are for pleasure, right? But I don't want people to think that oat milk is good for them. That's just the thing I want to make sure people are aware of. That when you make the choice of oat milk, it's like choosing to eat an ice cream. You know it's for pleasure. You know, yeah. and it's fine. The ice cream yeah. is not trying to trick you to tell you, oh, it's it's healthy for you. Right, the right. kind of tries to trick you. So I just want no trickery to be going on. I feel like when you put it that way as pasta water or pasta milk, I, that just gave me such a visual where I'm like, oh, <laughs> like it just it just completely changes it. Not Not that I was obsessed with oat milk, but when I was more focused on plant-based milks, because I used to have... Um, I would, I guess not like lactose intolerance, but sensitivity to dairy Mm. after pregnancy that went away. It's the most magical shift of my life. Like I could eat cheese. I could have dairy. (gasps) I couldn't live without cheese. Oh my God. I can have it. And my stomach doesn't hurt and I don't get gassy. I mean, it's like a miracle. So grateful. So with all the other things, like at least I got some good stuff out of it. So now I consume. That's a good one. Yeah. I consume full fat, like raw uh, preferably if I can find it, uh, milk and I'm obsessed, but I know that there's a lot of people who are into nut milks and specifically oat milk. And I don't think they know the difference between almond milk and oat milk, um, or even like coconut milk. And I know that you prefer unsweetened almond or like unsweetened coconut mm-hmm. milk over the oat milk because of the higher fat content and lower carb. Because content. they come from a nut instead of from um, a seed and a starch, a, a right? Grain. So yeah. oat, pasta, rice, that's just starch. Almond, coconut, pistachio, macadamia, those are nuts that contain, yes, a little bit of starch, but also loads of protein, loads of healthy fats. So as a yeah. result, their milk yeah. is filled with protein and healthy fats. So, is you know, there, it's all dependent on the source. Is there, a, is there anything that comes from like caffeine? Like I'm thinking about, I know some people have reported before and just the conversation around glucose spikes of like, if they just have like black coffee, even yep. first thing in the morning, they see a glucose spike, even though there's no, literally nothing in it mm-hmm. but coffee. So that'll depend on the person uh-huh. in the sense that if your adrenals are a bit messed up, if you're chronically stressed, if coffee makes you feel jittery and anxious, if just you have a stressful life and when you drink coffee, you feel even more stressed out. That's probably because the coffee is activating the stress response in your body. Mm-hmm. And stress, that tells your body to release glucose into the bloodstream because you probably have to run away from a tiger. So yeah. when you're stressed out, your body's like pumping out glucose to help you run away from something if you need to. And generally, I think people who drink coffee, they generally are not the kind of person who gets super anxious after coffee. Otherwise, they wouldn't drink it. You see what I mean? So I feel like right. those people kind of naturally just avoid the caffeine that could be yeah. the coffee that could be causing the spike. So if you feel yeah. fine after coffee and you feel just awake and happy, then you're probably fine. Yeah. I was going to ask you put you. milk or honey in it. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> oh, oh my gosh. This is something I wanted to ask. Okay. So yeah. I don't put sugar or honey or anything like that in my coffee. I do love stevia though. I'm like a mm. low key, maybe high key stevia addict. Love it yeah. so much. And I know that there are all kinds of different opinions and research on um, sweeteners, like artificial sweeteners or even natural sweeteners. And so like, what's your take on things like stevia versus things like Splenda versus things like, um, what's the one that comes from a cactus, agave versus honey versus, you know, I'm sure we can go down a huge list, but like, give like your high take on that. So there's two camps, sorry, two categories of sweeteners. One are the agave syrup, honey, maple syrup, coconut sugar, all those things that actually contain sugar molecules right? Mm -hmm. Those are all the same, basically. Even though marketing might tell you, oh, agave or coconut sugar is better for you. It's all BS. It's just sugar molecules. So pick the one that you like the most. Don't be fooled into thinking coconut sugar is is a vegetable. Coconut sugar is sugar. Don't be fooled. Agave syrup is even worse for you than regular sugar because of a whole other situation inside the molecules. But uh, yeah, Uh, separate topic. Basically all of those, they're just for pleasure. They're going to cause glucose spikes. They're going to mess you up, but they're really good. So pick the one you like. Now, when it comes to sweeteners that don't have sugar molecules in them, so don't have calories, essentially. So Splenda, Aspartame, um, Stevia, monk fruit, uh, maltitol, xylitol, allulose, blah, 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 blah. Those, they do have some health consequences. Like we've seen, we've shown that scientists have shown that they might impact your microbiome. They might increase your cravings, et cetera. But, and here's the key. They will always be better for you than the real sugar version. So it's always better to have a diet Coke than a regular Coke. It's always better to put stevia in your coffee than a sugar cube. Always. 100%. Yeah. And I know this is controversial, but there's been a lot of attention on like aspartame and cancer, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yes, there's some associations and not really strong, but there are some associations. But hey, you know what's a really strong association? Eating a lot of sugar and getting cancer, right? So we have to just be a bit moderate and understand that we don't want to start having sweeteners, but if, but we don't want to switch back to real sugar. So that's a long-winded way to say that stevia is fine. I use stevia also if I want something sweet. Um, it's really not a big deal. Honestly, yeah. always better for you than real sugar. Okay. So good to know because I'm not willing to give up stevia. <laughs> um, <laughs> is there a limit to following your hacks, meaning like, for example, can someone chug vinegar, eat broccoli to start, but then consume a pint of ice cream for every single meal? Like, does the, you know what I mean? Like to what degree your hacks undo so much of that, of those glucose spikes versus like, yo, you can't just like eat crap all the time, even if you are following it or preceding it with vinegar and veggies and putting clothing on it and all those hats. Like I'm sure there's a limit of some sort. Yeah. They don't erase things. They make things much better. Got it. But, but they don't, they're not going to, you can't, you can't erase an ice cream pot. You just can't. Even if you take vinegar and you take anti-spike pills, it'll cut it by 50%, but you're still going to get some impact. And that's good because you don't want to have stuff that you don't want to have no consequences for eating these things. You still have to be using your brain and a bit of common sense and just, you know, yeah, it's not like a free pass, free for all, like have one tiny piece of broccoli and then eat whatever you want and you'll be fine forever. The best way to use these hacks is to keep eating what you currently eat, the way that you live. So maybe you have ice cream every three days because you love ice cream. Maybe you have oat milk, maybe you have pasta and just add the hacks in. So don't use them as an excuse to eat more, more junk. Just add the hacks in. Eat what you usually eat with no restriction, with you know what you love, and then see how much better you feel. Mm. That's the true formula. But hey, listen, I can't prevent people from taking anti-spike and then having a cookie <laughs> because they know it's going to have 40% less impact on your glucose levels. I mean, come on, we're human. But yeah. And it's, it kind of is a magic pill, but also I don't want people to use it that way. Yeah. Um, we we want to add all these hacks together and try to use them as much as possible. The food hacks, I mean, teach them to your kids, you know, make them a habit in your home. And you're not even going to want to eat that much junk anymore. That's the key. You were saying you don't have any more cravings. You would have to pay me money to eat something sweet in the morning now, even though I grew up on orange juice and Nutella. 
you know? It doesn't feel right to me. And yeah. and honestly, it's kind of like alcohol. There's so many reasons why I don't drink alcohol. I just don't like it. But for me, Same. it's like every time I think of the concept of drinking alcohol, I think automatically to how am I going to feel in the morning? And that just right then and there makes me decide like, well, I have a lot of shit to do tomorrow. Like I really want to think clearly on my feet, like be like light on my feet and just like, you know, and and be in a good mood. And I don't think alcohol is going to help me get there. So it's kind of like the same thing with breakfast. What helped me transform myself, you know, easily, effortlessly into having savory breakfast was just thinking about, all right, by 11 a.m., Catherine, how are you going to feel? Like you got all these yeah. meetings, you have writing to do, you have course creation, podcasting. Like, do you really want to do those things with the glucose crash? Nah. But but like after dinner, when I'm already decompressing and watching my favorite TV show, yes. it's like if I'm in a, a, a glucose spike, a mild one, you know, following all the hacks and there's a little bit of that like lethargy, is that the right word? Like a little yeah. bit of that lethargic feeling afterwards. Who cares? I'm going to bed anyway. Exactly. Like, who cares? Right. So such a game changer. It's and about choice. The- it's about not being controlled by the cravings, right? Yes. Being clear and having yes. agency. You are in control. Oh my gosh. You have the power, people. Um, this is a question that came up in regards to limitations. Like, is there a time limit to these hacks? Meaning mm-hmm. that if someone had their veggies and their protein and, and fats, but then an hour later they had the cookie, like mm-hmm. for how long do the hacks keep you kind of protected, I guess? Like, is there the a veggie starter? I think it's about 90 minutes. Okay. So there's no specific studies showing us, but that's about the amount of time that it would take for that veggie to really move through a digestive system. So my hunch is 90 minutes, and this has been also corroborated by my own test on myself, but I haven't found a study to support that specific timing. In terms of, you know, the food order, you don't have to wait between the items in your meal. In terms of moving after eating, you can do that for up to 90 minutes as well. For the vinegar, you can do up to 20 minutes before eating. And even adding it during the meal, if you forgot, has also been shown to be helpful. So there is some flexibility there for sure. And yeah. in my book, I detail all these different things very precisely. But um, yes, very if, if you detailed. Just, <laughs> yes, science, if you just you follow it. some general <laughs> principles about like, you know, your meal is going to take you, I don't know how many, not more than two hours to, to finish, then yeah. you should be fine. So my grandma, she doesn't speak English very well. She speaks Russian. Is your book in Russian by any chance? Yeah. It is. Because I 41 I languages. Remember, oh my gosh. I think at the time that I told her about you, there wasn't Russian, or at least I couldn't find Russian. Now that there is, I'm going to send it for you. Yes, please. Because I'm going to send this to her because I told her, I was like, grandma, I have a woman that I found and she like literally will help you with diabetes because my grandma has diabetes and my grandma needs all the hacks that she could possibly get because I don't think she's willing to part ways with her current way of eating you know that obviously got her in the situation to begin with I think she's at that age where she's just not willing to make those shifts and and restrict herself from her favorite things that she's so used to eating but I think that if she just understood that it's not about removing things it's just about adding in these hacks Yes, completely. Um, the the publisher is called Popuri. I just found it. I'm gonna send you the link. Okay, thank you so much. And I'm just wondering for someone who already has diabetes, yeah. what are the benefits to eating in this way? Like, can you reverse it? I, I'm not educated enough to know. Like, can you yes, reverse 100%. diabetes? Really, type two diabetes is reversible. You can Holy put it into remission. Shit. Yep, yep. This happens all the time, my readers. Every single week, I get messages, and the doctors are like how did you do that? They're like, well, I just kind of changed what I ate. (laughs) And this is one of the biggest misconceptions that I'm trying to fight, which is that prediabetes, insulin resistance, PCOS, type 2 diabetes are just diseases you can't do anything about. They're not. They have been caused by years of glucose spikes. And if you reduce those spikes, you can put it into remission. And so you feel so much better and you don't get so much sicker as you age. You're actually improving your health. And for your grandmother, anti-spike is a good is very helpful as well because I have so many readers who say my parents, my grandparents, they're diabetic and they don't want to change what they're eating. Like you're just giving them this pill is already going to help them a lot. Oh, oh my gosh. And she's good at taking pills. Let me tell you, she has so much medication that she needs to take anyway. I'm like, and she makes fun of me because I'm taking the same amount of pills with her supplements. And I'm like, grandma, (laughs) it's like a choice. Like I can take all those in medication or I can do my supplements Mm -hmm. to prevent the medication later on. And so 
I feel like she's and good at get taking her, pills anyway. Get her to add a veggie starter during her meals. And for breakfast, I assume she eats sweet stuff in the morning. Just have her have yes. something savory before the sweet stuff. Mm. So a soft boiled egg, a Greek yogurt, um, 20 almonds. Don't change what she's eating. Just add stuff in so that she's also going to help her glucose levels. Oh, so good. Okay. One more thing is, you know, um, infertility. I feel like that's, you know, running rampant nowadays. Is that tied to, or could be potentially, I don't want to make like blanket statements here, but could that be connected to glucose spikes? It's definitely connected to the way we're eating and the way we're living. Uh, And one of the things to look at is your glucose levels. It's one of them because when you have lots of glucose spikes, you have a lot of insulin in your body. And when there's a lot of insulin in a female body, it tells your ovaries to produce lots of testosterone. And testosterone is the male sex hormone. And so in a female body, when there's too much testosterone, problems start happening. So you have balding on the head, hair growth on the face, cystic ovaries, missed periods, infertility, right? And so if you're suffering from that, in order to reduce the testosterone, you reduce the glucose spikes, which reduces the insulin, which reduces the testosterone. And I have a lot of people uh, in my following who have been able to get pregnant naturally after years of being told they would mm. have to do IVF because they were able to get their cycle back naturally nice. through food. Now, it's not the only thing. There's other stuff to look at for sure, uh, but we should address lifestyle. And today, you know, infertility is so common. It's becoming more and more common because we're eating in a way and we're living in a way that is more and more toxic to our bodies. So the reproductive system is just not functioning anymore. I really want to do a book on this, actually. I think it would be really important. Please do. More books, please. I will. Okay. (laughs) Get to work. Thanks, girl. Now. Um, Thank you. Okay. Starting to wrap this up, you know, this is an interesting question that um, I would love your take on because I have someone who has been eating and using your tricks and doing it the the glucose goddess method way. And she ended up actually gaining three kilograms and I'm, Mm. she's curious. And also I'm curious, like what could they be doing wrong? Is there, do you see this? Is this, does this happen? Um, Mm. Is it just like overconsumption of calories maybe? Like what, what do you think it could be contributing? Well, first of all, the underlying assumption here is that getting these three kilos is a bad thing, right? Mm. Sometimes when we gain three kilos is because our body needed to. So that's step one. And maybe, you know, she gained three kilos of muscle. Like, who knows? But let's put that aside. And let's say she gained three kilos of fat and she didn't want to gain them. Yeah. Totally possible that it's because she was, you know, putting too much cheese as clothing on her bread. Like, you also have to be a bit mindful to not just add two pounds of butter to your pasta because you're putting clothes on it. So I think that now that she has her glucose level steady with the hacks, now she can do some really key things. For example, Increasing protein in the morning, so doubling the amount of protein in the morning so that she'll be less hungry throughout the day. That's really, really easy and really important. Also having protein at lunch, super good one. And then kind of monitoring, you know, throughout the day, is she having a cookie five times a day with some clothing on it? Because as we were explaining, the hacks don't cancel out the cookie. You still have to be a little bit mindful and say like, am I actually hungry? Or am I just using the clothes on cookie quote unquote excuse as a way to eat the cookie you know you have to also um slightly monitor yourself and see if there are things that you could actually try to remove from from your life but yes it it can happen most of the people either don't lose weight or uh, sorry don't gain weight or lose weight so in the method book about 40 percent of people after four weeks have actually lost weight without cutting calories you know without taking anything out of their lives just by adding the hacks um, but yeah, it, it can happen. I think it's just a matter of how much she's eating probably. Yeah. That's so, I, d- you just blew my mind with like, maybe her body needed that. Like, yeah, yeah. why <laughs> did I think that that would might've been a possibility? Like, that's so yeah. good. Like, why do we think that's a problem? Right? Yeah, like, exactly. Mind blowing. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Such a great reframe. Okay. So you have two books. Yes. Which one? I'm going to link both of them and anti-spike and all and your Instagram and all the links in the show notes. Yay. But for anyone who wants to get started and they're mm-hmm. like, I don't know which book to start with or where do I start? Like, which one do you recommend starting with? Okay. If you like reading, get the first one. Me. Glucose Revolution. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's and I, I wrote it as a, it's like a science novel. 
It really is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's super fun to read. It's super exciting. You're going to hear stories from people, their journeys. I explain all the science. There's my story in there. You'll get a real deep dive. You'll be a pro. The second book, The Glucose Goddess Method, is a four-week, four-step plan with lots of recipes. It's a book in color with photographs. It's it's a much more practical book. It's like a guide to have. So it really depends on you. You can also get both. And as you're doing the method, you can also dip into the Glucose Revolution to dive deeper into the hacks and understand them more. The Glucose Revolution is a black and white amazing science novel book that you will understand every disease, every condition and become a physiology expert in a really easy way. And the method is like a fun, let's get cooking kind of book. Do you certify us after we read Glucose Revolution? Yes, you become a (laughs) glucose goddess or a glucose god after reading the book. And you are, girl, you are definitely a glucose goddess. I'm very impressed. Thank you. Um, last question for you. What are you currently manifesting into your life? Since this is the Manifestation Bay podcast, we have to put something out there into the universe right now. Mm. <laughs> space and harvest for this year. Ooh, what I does that space. mean? Yeah, space, I need space to like chill? Yeah, space for my head to not take on new projects. Because I've been running for five years. Just Girl. like go, 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 go. Yeah. My years of that. I hired an astrologist on retainer for my business and she tells me like all my transits and things that might happen and affect my business and when to like launch things and not. And this week I'm like, what am I doing to myself? I'm like finding all these pockets in my counter and just filling them up. Why? I don't know. And then I literally Mm -hmm. read my transit for the last week, this week, and I think next week. And it's like, you might feel overwhelmed and you might be adding a bunch of stuff to your calendar. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God, oh my God, it's so true. So I feel you on that. And I'm Beautiful. so here for the spaciousness because I think that's so important. I took a sabbatical last year. It changed my life. It changed my business. It brought me Aww. back to life. So much more creativity. And I'm feeling like a new book coming from after your spaciousness Love. and rest Love. and recovery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what I want to get to. I need, yeah. I need like four months of no new projects. You know how people say like, no new friends. I'm like, no new projects, like no new big thing. I'm not going to sign any new contract. Like we're just going to chill for a little bit. (laughs) I fucking love it. I fucking love you. Like, thank you so much for being here. This has been so insightful. Even after reading your books and following your Instagram, I still learn some new stuff. So I very much benefited from this episode. So thank you so much. And for anyone who's not yet following Jessie, you can find her at, at glucose goddess. Highly recommend going and following her right now and then try out her hacks and of course let us know like how you feel like within a day you're going to feel like a brand new human I promise you it is magical and amazing Jesse thank you so much for your work and your magic and your energy you're such a beautiful soul and I just love you so much girl thank you so much for having me I love you too I'm so grateful for your support and it's so beautiful and so proud of everything you've done and I, I hope we actually get to meet in person soon I know. Me too. Oh my gosh. All right. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you absolutely loved what you heard today, be sure to share it with me by leaving a review on iTunes so that I can keep the good stuff coming your way. If you aren't already following me on social media, come soak up the extra inspiration on Instagram by following at Manifestation Babe or visiting my website at manifestationbabe.com. I love and adore you so much and can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. In the meantime, go out there and manifest some magic.